everyone. Welcome to a new episode of In the Ring with Acacia Kulmanis. This is my first episode of 2024. I'm still getting used to saying that. I don't know about all of you, but it still feels a bit odd saying 2024, but we're getting there. Um, but happy to have In the Ring back for another year and kicking it off with uh, some fun uh, guests to recap some of the big stories that happened in 2023. We just recently had the Eclipse Awards that I was lucky enough to be one of the co-hosts for. And so we'll talk a little bit about that on the show today. And of course, looking ahead to the future as we are now well on our way on the Kentucky Derby Trail. Horses have picked up some points the last couple of weeks. have been some really big prep races. So obviously that'll be a lot of our conversation over the next couple coming months, looking ahead to that run for the roses. But uh, like I said, happy to have in the ring back. I, I always really enjoy getting the chance to share this kind of these kinds of stories and this side of the industry that sometimes when we talk about the races on TV on a regular basis, we don't get a chance to really focus so much on the breeding, the sales, the agents, all of the people that are involved before the horse even comes to a trainer, so to speak. So uh, looking forward to continuing to share some of those stories and we'll get right into it. Happy to have you all along for the ride and get a chance to welcome in our first guest on the first episode of 2024 of In the Ring. So happy to welcome in uh, next guest here on In the Ring, uh, John Ebert. You may have seen him a bit in the winner's circle over this past year, of course, owner of Belmont and Travers winner, Mark Angelo. John, so happy to have you on. Thanks for joining me today. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. Um, well, like I said, you paid a few visits to some pretty important and pretty special winter circles uh, this past year. Let's just start a little bit um, just about the emotions of what 2023 held for you and, and how special the journey was that Archangelo took you on. Uh, just, just sur- you know, surreal experience it was an amazing journey. Um, you know, you know, a journey of a lifetime, you know, and um just uh, so exciting and, you know, just uh, like unforgettable, really. Take us back a little bit to the beginning. How did you first get involved in racing? So I, it would go back to, you know, basically I was a fan, um, you know, watching the, you know, the Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, stuff like that. And um, then, you know, I, you know, started gambling, um, you know, and then, you know, get more into it, like Breeders' Cup and, you know, going to some races and stuff. And then finally I bought a horse uh, about like when I was 25, I bought a horse um, at the old New York Breeders' Sale, and that's kind of where the, the craziness started. <laughs> Can, do you remember that first experience, that first horse buying journey? What was the horse's name? How, how did it go? Uh, yeah, so, um, well, so I, I didn't really, so I come from like a, more of a fan gambling background, so I didn't know too much about the horse. You know, like I probably, if you asked me what a cannon bone was, I, I want to know what a cannon bone was. <laughs> So, or like a stifle. So, um, basically, you know, I, I read a book and I went, picked the horse out by myself and, you know, I failed miserably. Um, his, his name was daydreaming boy. I named him daydreaming boy. I don't know why at the time, but, um, I guess, I guess that was me at the time. And, um, basically in the 20 starts never came in the top three. Um, you know, but I learned a lot from that horse. I said that, you know, I was probably my best, you know, best horse. Cause I, I learned so much from him. What are some of the lessons that that he taught you? You know, this is uh, certainly not a game for the faint of heart, and there's a lot of ups and downs. And um, it, it seems like we we never stop learning when we're in this crazy world of horse racing. 
So, um, so you know, he's my first horse. I sent him to a, a trainer, Steve Rowan, he's still a really good friend of mine. And you know, between the horse and the trainer, I learned so much. And I, I, I mean, I didn't know what a workout was, a breeze. You know, I, I didn't really. I just, you know, I knew what a workout was from a betting perspective, but not mm. from like a horseman's perspective. You know, so much confirmation. Even you know, you know, I'd walk him out, cool him out. Like you know, even the, the walking a horse. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, a lip chain, all that stuff, um, you know, just just about the horse itself. I mean, he taught me so much, you know, um, you know, just understanding the game from a horseman's perspective, really. Do you think that changed your mindset a little bit as far as a handicapper and better um, seeing it from that side of things? Um, Yeah, you know, a little bit. Yes, a little bit. Um, I, I think it improved. You know, the thing is, I don't I, I don't bet like I used to. I'm coming more into the the horse and you know the the, the pedigrees and okay. the and the auctions. That's kind of my you know new betting. I you know I will bet if it's you know I see a horse that's really you know good looking you know on the track or something or like just FYI I saw at the mm-hmm. Breeders Cup and I, I bet her because I thought you know she just looked like an amazing horse. I was watching her at Santa Anita like almost every day and I was like wow she's an amazing horse. So yeah I think it it definitely changed it, but I, I don't really gamble. You know I'm not there sitting like you know, doing pick fours and pick fives, you know, it's more if I know something or, you know what I mean? So were you bitten by the bug immediately after daydreaming boy or what was the the journey like after him? Um, no. So, 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 um, it, it was one of those struggles really. Um, you know, I, I love the horse, right? So I, I love the horse. Um, I did some stuff when I was young, like with like a little bit of show horses, like a little bit real, real, real small, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and, um, but I, I, yeah, you know, something I love the horse, it, it was actually a struggle. It was something I kind of wanted, you know, you don't want it to like quit. So I tried different ass. I did a little like training stunt where we'd kind of, you know, I train horses, you'd enter them in other people's names and stuff like that. I had cut like two horses and I did that for a little bit. Like that was real quick. I'm not a good trainer. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I have bad attention to detail and, um, you know, just the organization is not my my thing. I could I could never do what Jenna does. You know what I mean? I could never, you know, just put that all together. Um, it's not my thing. Then I, I then I tried the breeding game. So I thought this was my niche. I, I I tried the breeding game. Um, you know, PA breads, and that taught me a lot. Then I got to full them out. You know, I, I, a few horses. I got to full them out, and, and then I realized how tough that is. That <laughs> that's another tough journey. Um, then I actually tried the pin hooking. Right. I thought this was my niche and I, I was actually pin hooking a horse. And that's when I, I laid my eyes on Ar- Archangela. Well, that brings me perfectly into my next question, because that had kind of been a little bit of the story this year. Right. That Archangela was not an expensive buy as a yearling and turned into one of these kind of horses that required patience and was a later developing horse, but a true star. So what was it that first caught your eye right at the beginning? Okay, so I think all what all those experiences I gave you, mm-hmm. um, they kind of all just added up when I saw Archangela. So I tried. So in the you know I tried to do the because I, I really really liked horses and I wanted to be a part of the game and you know mm-hmm. I, I kind of failed as an owner, failed as like a like trainer, um, you know, failed as a breeder. Um, I tried to make a a stallion um I, i've tried to make a a, a cult a stallion um a pa stallion because you know the, like the awards and stuff and mm-hmm. I, I did get some awards and stuff um but anyway the the horse was his name was samba rooster right and bob that's a great name him. 
yeah, awesome name. Bob Baffert trained him, and I tried to make him a PA stallion. So I bred, you know, I bred like maybe like maybe about three, four mares. I probably four mares a year to him for like three years, right? So I got like 12 babies. So the interesting part is Samba Rooster's uh, grandfather is Unbridled Song. Okay. So Archangelo's grandfather is Unbridled Song. So when I laid my eyes on that horse, I watched about 12 babies, you know, grow up and saw how they developed and when they developed. And, you know, and I also, you know, sent them to some trainers and, you know, they I sent them maybe too early at two and they just weren't quite developed. And they, you know, they ended up coming back with injuries. So when I saw, laid my eyes on Archangelo and I saw him, I thought, wow, this is like the most beautiful horse I've ever seen. Mm. I sat down on the bench and I watched him. I opened the book to see who he was by and I saw Arrogant and I was like, holy cow. I was like, I knew exactly what I was looking at. It was like, mm -hmm. it was like, it was like a light bulb. It was like magic. And it, it's kind of interesting too, because Arrogate got off to a slow start as a stallion. And it seemed like people were a little bit kind of ready to give up on him. But I think you touched on an interesting point. You know, they're, they're not early two-year-old types, you know, they're, they're kind of those later developing much like he was. And I mean, that's just another example of a lesson you learned along the way. Exactly. If if I want to have that stallion, I would have never been able to pick yeah. that horse. And if I didn't have those babies, I never would have. So basically when I saw Archangel and I, I can't do this with every other horse, you know what I mean? But when I saw that horse, I'm like, I know exactly what this horse is going to look like at three. And like mm -hmm. at four, he's going to be like phenomenal, which I was getting ready to see. But, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I mean, you can see him at the stud barn. He, look, he looks yeah. phenomenal, you know, but um. You know, pretty, but, um, yeah, I, and that's literally how I thought I was like at three and at four, forget it. So, um, yeah, it definitely helped me, you know? So a $35,000 yearling, um, he comes into the barn of Jenna Antonucci. How did you link up to, with Jenna and, uh, have her become the trainer of this horse? So, so that was, that was luck. That was basically luck. Um, I met her the day before I bought Archangelo. <laughs> um, yeah, literally the day before, um, I met Katie and her and, um, you know, I was talking to him, hanging out with him to sale, having fun. And I actually sent a, a horse that I bought to Pinhook to her. And, you know, I was looking for a Pinhook, only one horse. I wasn't looking for Archangelo. I called him my impulse buy. I was like, <laughs> I can't let him go. I, I said he's going to go for about 40 grand. And I was like, I can't let him go for that price. Mm -hmm. It just, I had to have him. You know what I mean? Um, And, you know, I ended up sending the Pinhook, you know, failed on the Pinhook. But, um. You know, I went down to see their farm and like, what do I want to say? Um, so I met her in September. I went to see the farm, maybe March to check on the pinhook. And when I saw, I was worried about where I, because I had a feeling that Archangelo, you know, he was the one. Mm -hmm. And I was worried about where I was going to send him. And, you know, I was just impressed with the farm and everything and just, you know, how organized everything was and just, just impressed. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I was nervous about it. I was, I'm going to, I'm going to give him the shot here. I was going to give him the chance. So that's, that's, I mean, that's the, the rest is history, you know? <laughs> it took him a couple of starts to break his maiden. And then he went on, of course, you know, the streak that everybody knows about, but was it early on that he was showing maybe in his training or, or the way that he was coming along that you kind of said, wow, you know, we may have really gotten a steal here. So, I, I mean, the day I bought him, I knew, I, yeah. I'm telling you that this is the only horse I, I probably <laughs> uh, would never have a horse, but the day I bought him, I knew and, you know, I actually, 
um, is a little funny story. I, I, I kind of, I, I had the idea that like the horse was never going to lose a race. Right. And, um, we, we were kind of, I, I kept, I kept like, I didn't know what to name him and I kept pushing the name back. Cause I, I, I kind of wanted to start him a little later and, um, you know those two races he lost i was i was actually a little upset <laughs> a little upset um we ran a second i was kind of happy the second and the other one i was like upset i was like this horse is never supposed to look. but you know it worked out because um you know if, if we would have waited a little longer we might not have got that belmont yeah. and it, it, you know it, it, it's like so so you know between jenna and i you know she wanted to start him a little earlier i want to start him a little later and you know it, it just worked it worked out perfectly it, it, it worked out exactly. It was good for him. And yeah. we, we came to a mutual thing and he got the two starts on his belt. And, you know, then he went four in a row and I, I think he could still be winning. You know, he just mm -hmm. kept getting better every race. So it, it was it was cool, too, because he broke his mane and then he came to New York and he was kind of like the, the new face in the Peter Pan. And I remember because I interviewed Jenna before the race and I said, he's taking a lot of money. And she goes, he should be. And then he just showed up with that, that gritty, gritty effort. And um, I mean, talk a little bit about the Peter Pan and how that was kind of like his coming out party, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, so it was funny, like there was a little, little thought right after, um, he broke his maiden, you know, everybody's like, oh, let's go, you know, you know, like, I mean, this is from all different angles. They're like, oh, Florida Derby. And, you know, it's like, it's, I don't even know if it's two weeks later, it might be like 12 days later. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was like tempting and, you know, just, just, we got, you know, level headed and we said, let's go Peter Pan. If we win the Peter Pan, we're going to the Belmont. This horse mm -hmm. is bred for the Belmont. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, we, you know, on paper, we're, we're like, you know, we didn't really, I, I really didn't think anybody, you know, if, if we won this Peter Pan, if we could go to, um, you know, if, if I, I just thought the Belmont was our distance and I thought nobody was better for it than us. And, um, so we, we got, you know, we got to the Peter Pan and, you know, we had a lot of confidence, you know, we, we thought, we thought we were going to win that race. You know, he comes like, I think he comes like four wide down the stretch and he links up with Bishop's Bay and, and, you know, then Bishop's Bay pulls away from us. And, um, it, it, you, it's funny cause you know, between Jenna, I, Robert, we just, and, and Javi, we just all knew he was going to win that race mm -hmm. somehow. And in the stretch, you know, it was just, it was just a great experience. It, it was, that was probably just like the purest, you know, my first stakes, oh, you know, horse, just the purest experience, you know, not too many of us at the race, the stands weren't, you know, overly crowded, mm -hmm. but it was just so pure and just such a, a great moment. It was so impressive that day. And then the the stands were very crowded, Belmont Stakes Day. And yeah. I mean, this is, it's one of the biggest races in American racing. And talk a little bit about that pedigree for the Belmont, because if there was a horse in the entire race that was screaming, I'm bred for this, it would be him. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's when we went, um, you know, when we went after the Peter Pan, we, 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 we admired the, you know, the Belmont wall with all the photos on it. And, you know, we picked mm -hmm. the, the, you know, we looked at, uh, you know, Jazil and, uh, uh, rags to riches, which are, you know, in his third damn, the, the, the better than honor. And they're both on the wall. And we're like, Oh, that, that you know, we, we pointed to the next spot in the wall. We said, you know, this is, this one's for Archangelo. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of course, now they rip, <laughs> I guess they tore the stands down, but they, it's, it's funny. But yeah, I remember doing that. And yeah, the pedigree just, you know, just screamed, you know, arrogant, you know, we knew he was good for at least a mile and a quarter. Mm -hmm. And, um, you, you know, um, you know, the, the, the tap it, 
they're, you know, the mayor's, you know, you know, the better than honor. She's, you know, a damn down from better than honor, which has two, you know, two Belmont winners in the the pedigree. And another, I think, well, like Casino Drive was like a third one that he was the favorite for the Belmont. I think he was like co-favorite or favorite and he got hurt the day before. And then um, you put Tappet in the mix. I mean, you know, we were just, it was screaming, you know. Can you put into words what that day was like winning the Belmont Stakes? And uh, I mean, Jenna's reaction was just so amazing. And and the I, celebration from your whole team. Can can you describe what that feels like winning a race like the Belmont Stakes? Yeah. Um, you almost feel like, like, I guess you almost feel like just like, you know, um, like fulfilled, like completed, like in life, like, you know, like this fulfillment, like, wow, we did it. You know, I'm, I'm sure Jen, you know, Jen has been training for years and, you know, Fiona's her assistant and Katie, you know, is an assistant and, you know, Robert riding for years and Javi O for 16. Yeah. And, um, you know, me just like a dream, like, you know, Belmont was, you know, one of my, you know, I, there's something special about the Belmont. I love the Kentucky mm-hmm. Derby. There's always something special about the Belmont, I guess, cause it was closer to me. And I used to like, I, you know, I'd go to the Belmont, um, you know, I'd go to the Belmont stakes, uh, you know, you know, multiple years I've been to the Belmont stakes and I'd watch the, you know, watch the race and something about being in New York. And it was just like a most fulfilling experience that I, I mean, you could ever describe, you know? And, um, the whole time we, you know, before the race, you think, you know, it was like I, I was like at this at a mile and a half we have the best horse and I and I felt like we we had the best rider on him but you look over there and you you know the top plus just the Bob Baffert's you know what I mean and and you're like can can we really do this like would they got these horses and you know what I mean and it like you think like something's gonna go wrong but I'm like we have you know we have the best horse of the mile and a half and we got the best jockey on him what else do we need? You know, just, just a good trip, but you know, a good, a good real trip. That was it. So. And he got that trip and and you mentioned, you know, some of the big barns that the big outfits that have had a lot of success in the big races. And, and obviously Jenna made history that day becoming the first female trainer to win the Belmont stakes or a triple crown race at all. But one thing I think that she also said that they kind of touched on was that it, it's also a great story for the little guy, for the small trainers that's that that are looking for opportunities, for the owners that don't have a ton of horses, that don't have the really expensive horses, and being able to right. see how if you're, you know, smart, creative, a little bit of luck as well, you yeah. can have a good horse really come from anywhere. Right. Right. No, it's true. It's funny. Um, it, you know, um, a couple of my buddies asked me, like, "Are you the youngest owner to win a Belmont?" I was like, "I don't know that. I don't know that fact." <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, no, it, it can literally, if, if you have the right horse, you have the right people behind them and the, it's the greatest part of the sport and, you know, you have the right jockey on them and you put everything together, you can compete with, you know, uh, the big boys. And I'm not the first one to do it. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of other, you know, breeders, you know, um, you know, different horses that have done it through the years, you know, um, you know, mind that bird, there's all kinds, you know what I mean? All kinds mm-hmm. of horses, um, you know, that have done it, you know? Um, you know, California Chromes, or you know what I mean, so many. Yeah. And um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the beauty of the sport. You know, you get the right, just right animal, and you you can put it together. You know, 
So then we go on to the Travers, and uh, I know that there had been a lot of questions about the time in between races, and um, you guys stuck to your guns and saying what's best for the horse, and it and it paid off with that win, and that was a, yeah. just a really cool, emotional winner's circle, too. Talk a little bit about leading up to the Travers and, and what that win was like. Um, yeah, so we, we were, like, toying with the notion of the gym dandy, but we didn't realize, we were like, we, we, we talked, you know, that we were just talking about it, but, but we didn't think to step down three eighths because I think it's a mile, a mile eighth race. Mm-hmm. We were like, we we're going to go back three eighths and thank God it rained that day like crazy. Yeah. I was like, thank God we didn't go in it. But um, we, yeah, we just thought we'd come back to the mile and a quarter. And um, yeah, it was just, um, I mean, that this was the one where we were going to, you know, try to like stamp that, you know, he, he is who, you know, who he is. And, and the thing is with this horse, um, you know, he, he was, he's a May 10th fall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I, I, and, you know, and, um, if this horse was born in January, February, I mean, we could have been talking triple crown, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's not, it's not, you know, out of the question. Um, he just was born May 10th. And I mean, every race, if you watch, he just got better and better. And we just had, he, when, when you showed up, you know, when you showed up at Saratoga and I, you know, I showed up maybe a week early and you saw him compared to the horse you know, in the Peter Pan or when he broke his meat, I mean, this horse might've had a hundred pounds on him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and he just looked like, you know, he went from like a boy to a man from maybe like that, you know, especially from the first, his first made it in December Mm -hmm. to like, I mean, he was just, he just, you could tell he just looked so good. And, um, we, we were really confident. He was feeling good. He's feeling the good, good the day before the race. Um, he, um, actually, I, I knew he was feeling good. Cause he, I always, you know, I, I learned a lot about horses and how they respect you. And, um, I, I was patting him. I always go, you know, pet him and play with him. I feed him some carrots. And and right before the race, I'm, I'm messing with him. And he, he actually takes a chunk out of my suit. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, he's feeling really good. Because he always kind of respects me and doesn't bite me too much. And I'm like, he's feeling really good. He thinks he's the man. So, um, yeah, I knew. I, I was like, it's once he did it, I was like, oh, it's over. He knows, you know. <laughs> he knows. He's like, he's the man. He's the head, you know, the head. So, he's He knew alpha. it was game time. That's yeah, awesome. he knew he was alpha. Yep, um, and he knew it was he knew it was race time. And so the Travers, an impressive, really impressive victory for him. And then I know the roller coaster of emotions with not being able to run in the Breeders' Cup, but you still end up creating a stallion. And now we're going to have a chance to see him standing as a stallion. And I know that you had said early on that was something that you had really hoped to see come to fruition. I mean, talk a little bit about that, because that is really kind of become the pinnacle of our sport is turning your horse really into a stallion. Yeah, that, that was kind of like a, a kind of like a dream of mine, actually, just to to, to make a stallion. Um, and, and I guess that's why I buy Colts at the auction a little bit. Um, I buy Colts. I love to buy Colts. And um, yeah, so it was always kind of my dream of mine to make a stallion. And um, yeah, the, the Breeders' Cup was it was like a letdown. It, it's funny, I, you're on such a high, and then you get let down. And then I, I also have um, I'll get into that later. But yeah, um, but basically, um, yeah, I mean, just just a, you know, a dream. And and the, the, we kind of felt like we owe it to the breeders, and you know, to uh, I you know, I had offers outside the country, and just to keep the horse in the U S you know, I, I thought it was just great for the breeders, you know, cause his father's no longer here. Mm-hmm. He may be the only, you know, what would happen with cave rock. I mean, he may be the only, you know, we'll see, he may be the only arrogate, you know, to carry that torch mm-hmm. for like arrogant and unbridled song. And, 
um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting excited, you know? Are you going to have mares to breed to him? So yes, I, I actually bring five mares to him. Very exciting. I bought four. I bought four. Very, very exciting. Um, so yeah. looking, looking ahead to the future and maybe we'll see some, uh, Archangelo babies in your colors running around soon, which would be really, really cool to see. Um, but you you mentioned the emotions about the Breeders' Cup, and um, anybody that's been around horses knows knows that feeling so intimately of things that can happen and and when you least expect it to, and um, just the decision of wanting to make sure you know the horse always comes first. And it's it's a hard pill to swallow, of course, but I think um, your whole team really handled it very well too. But talk a little bit about that and and coming through that and putting maybe a period on this chapter, but obviously some exciting things to look ahead to with Archangelo. Yeah, it was it was kind of like we were on such a I think the whole team we were just on such a high, like, you know, like an emotional high. And, you know, after the Breeders' Cup, you kinda we just kinda like it really I think it just brings you back down to earth. And um, you know, we, we did handle it well. We did what was we did what was best for the horse. And, you know, just best to, you know, felt like we owe the public, you know, the the breeders a, a stallion like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, you know, and um you know, but it was, it was, it was, it was a huge come down when you don't realize. And then actually, um, so I, I have I like, cause I buy like one, you know, one to two a year. And I had a, a three-year-old that, you know, he would have just turned three this year and he was getting ready. And he got, he got hurt not too far after mm. he's, he's fine. He just needs like 90 days off. Sure. But I was like, it was such a come down that you're almost like, Oh man. But, um, you know, I, I had to like a couple of weeks there, I had to like, you know, um, pick myself back up, but I was that now I'm just, I'm just so excited for the, you know, just to see these babies and get these mares pregnant. And I just, the whole, you know, the, the stallion dream is, mm-hmm. is kind of taking over and, um, and it's just, it's just awesome, you know? So you've, you've got mares breeding to Archangelo, lots of excitement there. Are you going to be active at the sales coming up and looking for the next future star? Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta go buy my one, maybe one or two Colts. Um, I bought, I, I bought a Colt that I, I really like. Um, he's, he's in training. He's with Jenna, um, and Katie. He's with Jenna and Katie, um, in Ocala, and he's uh, um, a two-year-old. I, I, I well, so he just turned two. I bought him at the yearling sale, and he's, he's, he's uh, by American Pharaoh, and I really like him. And um, yeah. so I'm looking excited for him and I'm excited to get the other, uh, the three-year-old, you know, back in training. So um, he's a hard spun Colt nice. and um, I'm, I'm excited to get him back in training. Well, John, uh, wish you the best of luck with those runners coming up and can't wait to see the Archangelo babies. Um, it's always so fun to to see your team in the winner's circle. And thanks for coming on the show today and giving us a little behind the scenes look. Yes. Thank you. It's nice to see you in the winter circle too. So <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. Um, yep. Everything's, everything's, um, you know, I thank, thank you for having me and, um, yeah, hope I'll look forward to see you in the future. Hopefully in the winter circle. I love it. In the winter circle. Sounds good. I'm so happy to welcome in Adrian Wells of Coolmore America as of course, Coolmore's had yet another terrific year. Adrian, thanks so much for joining me. Happy to have you on today. Happy to be here. Thank you so much, Acacia. Um, I wanted to start a little bit as we just recently had the Eclipse Awards, and I feel like Justify, of course, a cool more stallion has kind of been the story of this year and, and and a big story at the Eclipse Awards with a champion and a couple of finalists, of course, just FYI, getting a two-year-old filly. Can you talk a little bit just about what Justify has been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time? It's It's really been remarkable. 
It really has. I mean, listen, we're firstly we're we're so privileged to stand a horse of of you know his his stature. Um, you know, obviously a, a sensational racehorse, a triple crown winner by the late great Scott Daddy, who was very close to our heart and and was taken from us um, probably a little bit too young at, at only eleven years old. But I mean, what Justify has done in his first two crops of racing age, which is it's it's hard to believe that he only had two crops, but six Grade One winners. Uh, around the world, um, and obviously in, at the Eclipse Awards, we we got got a chance to to honour Just FYI as the the champion champion two year old filly of a generation. Um, also nominated was hard to justify who who obviously won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf out at Santa Anita. Um, you know, I remember that that day at Santa Anita that Friday. Uh, you know, having one Breeders' Cup winner for uh, for one of your stallions is sensational. But then when when Just FYI. Um, Galloped in the in the in the third edition of the juvenile fillies that was just sensational as well. So, yeah, we're we're, we're you know blessed and privileged to stand a horse of his stature. Um, you know, they they seem to be very precocious horses. Uh, they seem to come to hand very very early. Um, they seem to be tough like Scott Daddy was himself. Um, you know, it's a it's a very precocious line that mm. Johannesburg Hennessy Johannesburg line is. They come to hand early, but as we're seeing now with with horses like Arabian Line, they can. They can run on at three as well and become very relevant um, three-year-olds. So yeah, the the sky is 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 probably the limit for for a stallion like him. And it seems like similar to Scat Daddy, you know, with the versatility on both turf and dirt, um, that's something really remarkable and, and special as well. Highlighted so perfectly by Just FYI and hard to justify just on that one day. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, and also let, let's not forget, you know, Philly like Aspen Grove, who mm-hmm. took the the Belmont Oaks over ten furlongs um, last year as well for Posy Stack. Um, you know, he also had the highest rated two year old Philly in France um, last year in Ramatoy. So they they do they come to hand very early, as I said, and and, and you know, let's not forget City of Troy, who won the Dewhurst in spectacular fashion after winning the, the Superlative Stakes at, at Newmarket. Um, the fact that they can do it on both uh, both surfaces makes him a truly you know it makes him a truly worldwide international sire which obviously will heighten uh, the attraction for breeders and buyers um, going forward with a, a, a Cartier champion two-year-old cult in the likes of City of Troy and then you have an Eclipse Award two-year-old filly with just FYI how rare is that to see success like that coming so early obviously for a stallion who's brilliantly talented but was not on the racetrack for a long time either. No, he wasn't. But I think, um, you know, if you, if you cast our mind back to to when he was bought as a yearling, he was obviously a high-priced yearling. Uh, he cost $500,000 at the Keenan September sale. Um, he was on every major buyer's list. Um, and there was a, I think there was a slight uh, problem with one of his x-rays, and that's the reason maybe he didn't bring a little bit more more money. But he was he was certainly the the... The talking horse of that particular sale, a sale also that we managed to buy Mendelssohn from um, for 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 a lot more money. But uh, Winstar took the chance on him. Winstar and, and Starlight and China Horse Club um, took the chance and bought Justify, and were, were handsomely rewarded for doing so. I mean, he's he. I think for you know what we were always told is that he was a horse that was was ready to run it too, but just mm-hmm. had a couple of different a couple of little setbacks, and, and maybe that's the reason why he didn't run. But I think that the ability. Was certainly always always there, and and uh, from talking to them early on um, in his two year old year, that they were so they were always talking about 
a big chest that's on a scat daddy that was going to take take the world by storm. And he's continued to do that at the breeding shed, which is pretty cool to follow as well. Um, but he, he's not the only Triple Crown winner that Coolmore stands. And, and looking at the Stallion roster is, is just always so impressive. American Pharaoh um, there as well. But you mentioned Mendelssohn. I'm glad you did because he's one that I think maybe early on there were a couple of perhaps doubts, questions about, but he steadily had runner after runner on the racetrack and is, is continuing to to just have horses that are very effective at a variety of surfaces and distances. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, he's, he's, he's impeccably bred a son of Scott mm-hmm. daddy, um, like obviously justify is, but he comes from the family of beholder and into mischief. So he's got one of the most amazing, uh, amazing, um, pedigrees in the stud book. Uh, he's a beautiful horse. He was a, a very, he was the highest priced, uh, yearling of his generation at Keeneland. Uh, he cost $3 million as a, as a yearling. Um, was a Breeders' Cup turf or juvenile turf winner himself, and then went on to win a very impressive edition of the UAE Derby out in uh, out in Dubai. He won that by almost eighteen lengths, if you if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And he's had he's had some good success so far this year in Dubai. Mendelssohn Bay was a very impressive winner of the uh, the two thousand guineas um, out in Maidan uh, just two weeks ago. So he's he's another horse who seems to be getting. Uh, winners on all surfaces uh, and all around the world as well. Some exciting new stallions um, as well that I wanted to ask you about. It's always kind of the the thrill of it, right? When you've just seen these horses recently on the racetrack and then you get a chance to see their their offspring uh, a couple years later hit the the sails and the track themselves. In particular, I wanted to ask about Golden Pal um, because in America for turf sprinters, there may not necessarily be as much of a market, but you kind of look at the brilliance of a, a horse like him on top of his pedigree He's very exciting as a stallion to potentially kind of carry the flag for the the turf sprinter division, so to speak. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. We, <clears throat> sorry, you're fine. We um we always thought that you know he, he obviously raced um for us and for for Andy Lowe um and trained obviously expertly by by Wesley Ward and Wesley Ward as, as was from the moment he got him. I mean Wesley's the the reason this horse that this horse is. In our ownership, Wesley took a chance on him as, as a yearling. Um, he 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 loved him from the very very beginning, and and thought he was going to be developed into a superstar. I mean, he's a dual Breeders' Cup winner, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf winner, and then the one the the Turf Sprint. Then as a three year old, he won four out of five races at Keeneland, winning the Woodford Stakes and the Shakertown Stakes. Um, just a you know an incredible horse with with an incredible amount of early speed. Um, and ability, and um, I think it's it's very exciting that as you know, son of Uncle Mo, who's also one of our sort of preeminent mm. stallions here, having having sired fourteen Grade One winners in his in his career so far, you know, to, to have a horse like him who gives you the option of of uh, of a, a you know a turf angle, um, and he doesn't necessarily look like a turf sprinter mm-hmm. either, or or even a sprinter, but I think he he just you know being trained by Wesley, obviously that's Wesley's. Um, that you know, that's Wesley is very adept, and he's an expert at training sprinters. And I think if if these horses have this type of speed, he's certainly the man to to get that uh, to get that brilliance out of them. But I mean, very well campaigned. Um, he did it around the world. He ran a, a very good race as a two year old in uh, at Royal Ascot, and, and as I said, a, a dual Breeders' Cup winner. So yeah, he, we're very excited about him. And a horse we we always thought was going to be popular, but. I mean, if he'd have been able to cover 500 mares last year, uh, we'd have certainly been able to sell them. He was wow. 
he was just he, the most. I mean, he covered two hundred and ninety three mares, I think wow. it was last year, and is still very very popular again this year. I think it's the combination of of him running so often in Kentucky sure. and um, and being so precocious and so fast. I think people just have to use him. I was going to ask how the, the response had been so far, but that, that's really impressive. And, you know, for a, a new stallion like that, you said, obviously, with the ability and the pedigree. But what are some of the, the steps that are taken, obviously, when you see a horse that, that goes into the stallion roster with an operation like Coolmore? You know that there's been a lot of uh, big decisions put into it, and it's a, a trustworthy name that comes along with it. But what are some of the steps that are taken to make sure that, these horses do get the best chance with the best types of mares early on uh, to ensure that they continue getting that kind of support. And that's, that's a, that's a very good question. It's, um, you know, it's almost as if these stallions or these horses, once they get to stud, irrespective of what they've done on the, uh, on the, uh, on the racetrack, they've Mm -hmm. almost got to go now and and, and prove themselves again. So it's up to us now then to market them properly um, and you know they've got to have enough soldiers on the ground so that if they if they you know if, they, if genetically they are going to become good stallions that you give them enough opportunity to not only have success with their first crop but as you can often see the second and third crop is 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 vitally important as well and and who would have thought that justifies a second crop outshone his first crop you know justified had four grade one winning two year olds in his second crop um, mm. a champion an eclipse award winner over here and then. Two Cartier champions in Europe in in um, in City of Troy and Opera Singer. So yeah, I mean, the, you just it, it's it's about the breeders and it's about getting the right mares under these these horses and getting enough of them. And really, you know, once we retire these horses to stud, we're in we're in the breeders' hands. Um, you know, it's they they entrust their mares with us. Uh, they entrust their mares to us, should I say? And and it's up to us to provide the right goods and provide enough su- support advertising. Um, you know, we're, we're very proactive, um, at the sales. We'll look at every single, uh, culture Philly by, by our stallions. We obviously support our stallions an awful lot with our own mares. Uh, we're active at the sales and buying them. And it's important that we can reward breeders who are, you know, supporting us with their valuable mares. You mentioned with Golden Powell being a son of Uncle Mo, who stands at Coolmore America as well. I've noticed that that's a little bit of a theme as well. The familiarity with the the families and the sons of successful stallions, Golden Powell by Uncle Mo. Um, Jack Christopher joined the roster. He's by Munnings, who also stands at Coolmore. Uh, Justify and Mendelssohn by Scat Daddy. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that a relationship and the, the sons of these good stallions and looking to see them become sire of sire, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly if if the sons or daughters of Uncle Mo weren't any good, then obviously we probably wouldn't be looking to stand them. But it, <laughs> it, you know, we're we're looking to provide a very diverse uh, diverse roster. Um, and if you look down our roster, you've got obviously two Triple Crown winners headed by American Pharaoh and Justify, but then you've got a turf sprinter like Golden Pal. You've got a champion juvenile on the dirt like Corniche. You've got a very accomplished. Uh, dirt sprinter like Echo Town, another dirt sprinter uh, like like Jack Christopher, um, tis the law who who won a short in Belmont in the COVID mm-hmm. year and uh, and won and won the Traverse Stakes after winning the the Champagne Stakes as a two year old. So we're trying to we're trying to fit every budget. We're trying to fit every breeder that that possibly you know on, depending on what they're looking for. We're trying to uh, provide provide an outlet for their mares and hopefully put them in the in the winner circle. Um, and make them some money in the sales ring. 
Speaking of um, looking out for top quality mares, we saw you very active at the sales recently um, at Phasic Tipton purchasing uh, Zeta Z, the dam of what is arguably probably one of the most impressive three-year-olds we've seen so far in Nisos. Um, and the, this mayor sold for $2 million. Can you talk a little bit about her and just uh, how special it is to be able to to get a mayor who's the, the dam of such a promising horse, uh, winner of the, the Robert Lewis? Yeah, I mean, he looked, I mean, whether he whether he runs in the Kentucky Derby or not, that's that's obviously a, a conversation for a different day. But he certainly mm-hmm. looks like he's in the, the the very very upper echelons of his um, of this of this uh, generation of three year olds. He was ultra impressive in the Bob Lewis. He's undefeated so far by Nyquist, who you know was obviously a Breeders' Cup Juvenile uh, winner and and also a Kentucky Derby winner by Uncle Mo. So you know that Nysos certainly should get a classic distance, and he looked in the in the Robert Lewis that distance was never going to be a problem with him that was a very fast pace um, and he quickened off it and, and won going away in very very impressive fashion so I think um, you know I think that she's a very highly accomplished mare she's a daughter of Bernardini who's mm-hmm. one of the greatest uh, broodmare sires um, in recent memory um, she gets very very good lookers um, if you look down her her uh, her results um I mean, the sales ring. She's a she's a mare that throws exceptional lookers. She's very very good looking herself. She's a, an exceptionally pretty mare. She's a good mover. She's correct, and she's sired or she's sorry not sired, but she's thrown nice us who looks like he could be one of the best colts of his generation. He got a one hundred five buyer uh, in the in the in the Bob Lewis, um, in, and she's in full to Cyberknife, who's a very you know, exciting, young, unproven horse, but but very accomplished as well. He won the Arkansas Derby and, and the Haskell in, in setting a track record when he did that. So hopefully, she's got the ingredients to um to to throw maybe something like a Nisos, or at least if we can get some a sister or two to Nisos, then we'll we'll have part of that family going forward. She should suit a myriad of our stallions. I think at the moment she's slated to go to um go to Justify. Okay. Uh, but obviously, you know, she she would suit Uncle Mo as well. So we'll we'll see what happens when the time comes. She's due to fall uh, in April. So we'll, we've got time, we've got time to think about it. <laughs> what is that mindset like at the sales with thinking about purchasing a mare and thinking about which stallion she she may be well suited for uh, to breed to in the future? Yeah, I mean, that's always that's always the case when when we're looking at mares. We you know we try and imagine which you know we try and make a plan for and obviously plans. You know, are fluid and do change, but we try and make a, a plan and see, you know, which which one of our stallions uh, she would suit. Um, and the the great thing about the likes of Justify is that he's had Grade One winners from a whole host of different sire lines. Um, you know, Arabian Lion is out of a distorted human mare, Aspen Grove out of a more than ready mare, um, together for or City of Troy is out of uh, a Galileo mare. So he does seem to work with uh, a whole host of. Of uh, of bloodlines, um, and he, even in Australia, I mean, he's got he's got the leading fancy for the uh, for the Golden Slipper now next mm-hmm. month, a horse called Storm Boy. Um, so he, he's a you know he's he's a very exciting horse to, to to be breeding to, and one that will get the majority of our best mares. When purchasing mares, obviously. We know what Zeta Z has has accomplished already so far with her progeny on the racetrack. But what are some of the the qualities that the mare kind of must meet in order to be added uh, to the broodmare band for Coolmore? Is it 
pedigree, production, combination, what are some of the things that, that you really kind of um, can't, can't look away from, so to speak, that the must meet criteria? Well, they're, they're, any, any good horse will have the three P's and they're their pedigree, their performance and their physique. Um, now, obviously, Zeta Z herself didn't didn't race, but she's shown that obviously genetically she's superior. She's she's thrown very good looking horses that have sold very, very well. And, and obviously she's got nice horses. So she takes that box. She's a beautiful looker. Um, and then she uh, she's a daughter of Bernardini from a, from a, the family of Unbridled Elaine, who who won the Breeders' Cup distaff. So it's a it's a and glitter woman who won the Devona Dale and the and the Ashland Stakes. So I mean, it's a it's a wonderful pedigree, um, and you know, Nisus obviously is, a, is going to be a stallion uh, when the time comes. So it'll it's a it's a going to be a current pedigree, and we we hope you know if we can get some nice colts or fillies out of it that they can at least emulate ours like Nisus. With the ever-changing world of racing that we all have bound ourselves to. And as you said, so many things can happen. There's so many ups and downs. Pedigree updates are such a huge piece of it as well. Talk a little bit about following along um, with the horses maybe that are associated to families you're invested in or with the stallions and how important that is to be able to follow that success on the racetrack that's constantly changing. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like a, an ever-expanding puzzle, isn't it? I mean, this, certainly at this time of year, it's you know the the most well. The, I was going to say it's the most exciting time of year in, in in the racetrack leading up to the leading up to the classics, leading up to you know when 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 two year olds are turning three, there's a huge change in them physically. Obviously, the more important races now start to take shape. You get a, a clearer idea of who are going to be the leading Colts and Phillies uh, of their generation. I think that's always exciting, and and it's you know. When you've got a big broodmare band, it's exciting to to follow these along, and certainly when you've got a a, a group of stallions that we're lucky to to stand here at Coolmore America, it sort of keeps you invested not only in the horses that that come from our farm and run in our ownership, but also the uh, the, the progeny of of all of our stallions. So, yeah, it's a it's a an ever evolving picture, but mm-hmm. one one that's that's you know as you you know it, it's a one that we're delighted to be part of. And one that you do so, so well. Um, Adrian, thank you so much for taking the time and can't wait to follow uh, the progeny of all the stallions that we talked about this year and uh, continuing to watch those families grow and progress. Thanks so much for taking the time. No problem, Acacia. Thank you so much. And that'll do it for today's episode of In the Ring. A big thank you to John Ebert and Adrian Wallace for joining me today, sharing some great insights, some great stories as well. Um, as always, if there's anything that you're interested in hearing a little bit more about on this show, please send over any ideas or requests that you have. And please uh, feel free to share this episode if you liked it on social media and check out In the Money Media, their newsletter, the website, lots of great content from all of my colleagues covering, covering a totally different array of topics in the in the money media umbrella um, and I'm sure that they will have you completely covered leading up to all these big prep races in the Kentucky Derby itself so um, you've got a bunch of good handicappers over there to take care of you um, as always appreciate you joining me on this episode of in the ring see you next time